Welcome to the Devil's Junkie Podcast. I am your host, Ralph Amston, and this is The Road Back from El Paso. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings So here I am, driving back from El Paso, Texas. Uh, headed back to Arizona after Arizona State's 52-31 to loss at the hands of the North Carolina State Wolfpack and their quarterback Ryan Finley, an Arizona product uh, who originally went to Boise State before grad transferring out to uh, NCSU. Uh, Arizona State really did a lot of the things that were probably emblematic of the dichotomous era that is Todd Graham football, uh, where he had a, a successful first three years and mixed results the last three with assistant coaches cycling in and out, which this bowl game was absolutely affected by, um, with uh, defensive troubles, which you saw in this bowl game, uh, with sort of an inability to get the running game going and use your most talented players. Another issue you saw in this bowl game. Uh, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I like to hearken back to the saying that it, Todd Graham himself said before the 2015 season, they're not going to pay you millions of dollars to win half your football games. Well, over the last three years, that's what Todd Graham, you know, kind of failed to do with going 18 and 19, two bowl losses, had a really rough go out of conference, losses to, to Texas A&M, obviously the, you know, West Virginia in the bowl, NC State in the bowl, lost to Texas Tech this year, lost to San Diego State. Um, and, it, you know, if you look at the entire bowl landscape and, and the Pac-12 overall setting a record for total losses, I think at this point they might be 1-7 or 1-8 with USC's loss to Ohio State. Uh, and that kind of brings Ray Anderson's comments about um, the Sun Bowl, not really liking the Sun Bowl, not wanting to be in the Sun Bowl. Uh, that second place didn't really mean anything to him because the Pac-12 South just wasn't good uh, to begin with. Um, you're starting to see uh, the, just the Pac-12 just lend credence to some of Ray Anderson's comments. And, you know, if you're, if you're a fan who's on the emotional side, and I, I definitely understand if, you know, especially after a bowl game, if you made the drive and you watch Arizona State lay an egg like they did today, that, you know, you, you might have been feeling a different way three weeks ago uh, after a Territorial Cup win where you say maybe we want Todd Graham to stay, but you also might be the same person who was calling for him to be fired. Um, after the, the UCLA loss when there was a chant. Um, you know, there was a chant at that UCLA game in the Rose Bowl. It was fire Todd, you know. And after today, they're chanting, uh, thank you, Todd. And, and there's no really accounting for whether or not there's any overlap in, in the fans that um, – you know that are chanting these things in the stands. But what I can tell you is, you know, and what you know in your heart is that fans are emotional, um, and, and it's probably a little bit easier to stomach that there's going to be a change uh, when Arizona State goes out to El Paso, Texas, and has a performance like this one, where they give up 21 points in the second quarter, 21 points in the fourth quarter, turn the ball over four times, uh, have multiple personal fouls, even though they were canceled out by NC State uh, personal fouls, where the play calling was a little bit questionable because you have assistants that weren't necessarily part of the program a couple of weeks ago calling plays now uh, with 
with Dave Christensen, who was uh, previously the offensive line coach um, at Texas A&M and the offensive coordinator at Utah, head coach at Wyoming, uh, offensive coordinator at Missouri. So he has plenty of experience, but at the same time, you know, if, if he's calling plays because Billy Napier left at the at the last minute, then you know that's a little bit disorganized. You have players who are playing for coaches that they know aren't going to be their coaches and aren't going to be colleagues with each other, um, you know, after today. And while these guys get paid really, really well to do their job, you know, think about your job. Think about if you've ever had a last day and how much you've phoned it in or maybe, you know, left during lunch and, and didn't come back or your company, you know, you gave your company two weeks and they said, your two weeks is up. You can just go. You know, it, these these guys are human. These coaches are human. It's got to be a little bit tough to give your best coaching performance with one foot out the door. Michael Slater's not going to be returning. TJ Rushing's not going to be returning. Um, Phil Bennett's not going to be returning. Rob Sale was out there. He's not going to be back. You know, all these guys know that it's it's their last day. Todd Graham brought up that one of the toughest things about the last month is that he has almost 40 people that work for him. You know, and he, he wants to know that they're all finding employment elsewhere. And so, you know, it was a really odd month leading up to the bowl game. And, you know, we really haven't had a chance to, to dissect and, and talk about on this podcast some of the interesting changes that have taken place with Arizona State football. We'll get into that a little bit. I uh, was able to interview former Arizona State safety Armand Perry on the sidelines. So I'll make sure to include that in this podcast. Older brother of current uh, freshman cornerback Alex Perry. And he, he gives his thoughts on life after football and, and and, and the impact that Todd Graham had on him uh, as a football player and, and as a young man. Um, so it'll be nice to hear from him. But uh, what I really want to do is just kind of put a cap on what this Arizona State season was and what some of the complex, convoluted legacies are for some of the players that are going to be leaving this program uh, along with Todd Graham. Because it's, it's they you know, and, and it's nothing that I haven't touched on before, um, but that's something that I really really want to focus on. We'll get too much into uh, what happened at the game for all of that content. Make sure that you stay tuned to devilsdigest.com where Hode Rubino, Justin Toscano, Jack Harris, Joe Healy, uh, Sandy Charles are always doing incredible work Um, and I myself am lucky to be part of that group uh, and to to have uh, come out and helped uh, Hode Rubino cover this bowl game out in El Paso and so um, for all of that content make sure you stay tuned to Devil's Digest Um, So I I won't rehash too much of what happened in in this bowl game. I mean, we'll talk about it in the context of how it feeds into the narrative of some of the legacies of the coaches and the players and really what Arizona State does from here. And, And I guess maybe talk a little bit about what it is that Herm Edwards needs to do. Um, in, or, in order to make sure that this bowl loss doesn't linger, that you know a, a team that's supposed to be bringing back quite a few starters, um, though that that may lessen every day with with potential early draft entries and uh, grad transfers and, and things of that um, ilk, but. You know, at the same time, we'll talk a little bit about what Herm Edwards needs to do, where he needs to invest his time and energy, and uh, and see if we can't figure out what the recipe is for success for Arizona State moving on into 2018. And this will probably be the last football-related podcast. We'll we'll move more into basketball as Arizona State is slated to, uh, you know, they're 12 and 0. 
Um, they're slated to take on the University of Arizona at McHale Center. Uh, if you're listening to this on Saturday, then um, you're listening to this in the lead-up to the game. Uh, if you're listening to this after uh, Saturday, then then you know that uh, you know this is one of the bigger bigger games in Arizona State basketball history, and probably definitely the biggest game uh, that Bobby Hurley has coached uh, since he came to Tempe from the University of Buffalo. So we'll, we'll move more into a basketball focus, do some recruiting stuff for football. Um, but for right now, let's focus on football. Let's close out this uh, this season, this era, uh, and talk a little bit about what Todd Graham means to Arizona State, um, what went right, what went wrong, what Herm Edwards is gonna gonna need to do to to take this to the next level, and and whether or not uh, it'll work. It's no secret that Todd Graham is set in his ways. Um, that post-game press conference after the loss to North Carolina State, uh, while it was emotional on Todd Graham's end, while he did sort of take a moment of silence before addressing the media, uh, it was really a lot of the same that, that we've become accustomed to hearing after Arizona State has disappointing losses, especially over the last three years. Uh, Todd Graham did what he typically does and and blamed the loss um, on something that happened that sort of ignores the context of how the game was going uh, up until that point. So go ahead and, and give this a listen. The difference is, I mean, I thought the play of the game was the interception we threw after we you know, had the turnover in the end zone. Uh, I felt like the whole time, I really felt like the second half, I felt like we were going to win the game because our defense started getting stops. And then um, I thought that was critical. When they fumbled the punt, uh, and then we came in and, and threw an interception in the end zone, I thought that was a, the key play in the game. So here's the thing. The turnover, you're still losing. Your defense is still porous. Not being able to completely shift momentum in your favor is not a turning point of the game. And I know that, you know, I'm, I'm no coach, and you don't have to... Uh, you can take what I say with a grain of salt. But at the same time, this is something that we've heard Todd Graham reference over and over and over again in his time at Arizona State uh, when he talks about the fact that his team is down, that he still believed they have a chance, and that's something that he said in the postgame presser as well. You know, in, late in the second half when they're down big, he still believes that they are going to win. And you can look at that in, you know, in more than one way. You can say, A, he has confidence in his team. B, he's not, he's not realistic. Um, or, or C, what I like to say is that it, it, he, he is so um, sort of enthralled and engulfed with the anti-penalty, anti-mistake brand of football that he brought to Arizona State um, that when his defense just gives up a touchdown drive, 
or three or four or five, you know, that's not really ever something that he comes out and talks about. And that might just be because ultimately that accountability falls on his assistant coaches and those aren't really people, you know, that he wants to he wants to publicly throw under the bus um, in any in any given occasion. Uh, but at the same time, Todd Graham is throwing some of his players under the bus when he talks about the fact that a, a turnover changed the outcome of a game that already seemed to sort of be in hand for the other team. So, you know, Todd Graham says, you know, I, I believe that we're going to win. Um, these things change the outcome, but it sort of ignores the context of exactly where Arizona State was at that given time. And this has been commonplace for a Todd Graham post-game presser following a loss, which we've seen nearly 20 of in the last three years. Where he says, I, th- I thought we were going to win. And then for some reason we didn't. Story of the game is... You know, we turned the ball over, which was uncharacteristic. Seems like a lot of things that happen are called uncharacteristic, even though they keep repeatedly happening. And that's where I think, you know, I I personally have a divergence of what I believe to be um, a priority in coaching a football game. Penalties don't bother me. Um... You don't want your team to be known as dirty or undisciplined. Uh, But look back at that San Diego State game. San Diego State held on every play because they know that the refs want to go home too. They're not going to throw the flag on every single play. And on a couple of those plays, they got away with long touchdown runs. And if the ref misses a call and what you did, you know, which – which doing something that's against the rules of football you're not breaking a law you're not being immoral it doesn't speak to who you're going to become as an adult if you hold on a long run and it doesn't get called it doesn't mean that you're going to cheat on your taxes when you're in your 40s to some it just means that you recognize that there's a possible talent gap and so you're going to do what it takes and you're going to challenge the refs in that moment to see if they're going to be consistent if they're going to be brave enough to throw the flag every single time it's one of the things that made the Seattle Seahawks uh, successful uh, in the NFL you know they were so the the cornerbacks and safeties were so overly physical with receivers that it really challenged the the refs to kind of grade on a curve and only call the penalties that are most egregious. I don't necessarily think, and I, I think statistics back me up on this, and that Arizona State was 18 and 19 um, with you know pretty positive results as far as uh, turnover margin as well as as well as uh, total penalties. That I don't necessarily think that those two things play into the overall success of a team as much as Todd Graham liked to let on that they do. Now, it is great to play disciplined football. That can only aid you. You can't get hurt by playing clean. You can't. I mean, the the other team might be able to gain an advantage, but you're not hurting yourself by doing everything according to the rules. You're not hurting yourself by not turning the ball over. 
but it's very possible that that attitude about wanting to avoid turnovers has kept some of the players on this team from taking the necessary risks um, that that might give Arizona State uh, an ultimate advantage or allow them to make additional plays. Now, watching this particular game, it was obvious that Manny Wilkins was getting pressured. He was going to loft the ball up no matter what. And uh, Nikhil Harry was able to come down with quite a few of those nine catches. Um, Ryan Newsom was able to come down with a couple of those over the middle. While Manny Wilkins had three interceptions, probably easily could have been five or six. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's the way that you need to play every week. If there's a talent gap and you're turning the ball over, you're going to lose. And so it kind of makes me ask the question, does Todd Graham realize that there's a talent gap? Or is he just trying to make sure that they have every possible advantage? He was obviously very upset over the, the, the turnovers. And... You know, even though he said that he thought that the team was going to win, he also knows and has repeatedly admitted that, you know, you turn the ball over a bunch, you're, you're not going to be very successful. And while he might be right that there was a little bit of a momentum shift when Arizona State did throw an interception in the end zone, uh, I, I don't think that affects the overall outcome of a game that you lose by three touchdowns, that you found yourself down 21-3 to at one point. And the other thing that Todd Graham, I feel like, has never really taken into account as far as some of the success he's experienced is just how much a couple of key players for Arizona State have factored into the overall success of the program. Before Nikhil Harry, there was Jalen Strong acting as just a human cheat code. The jail Mary wasn't a fluke because Arizona State obviously had to be in position to win that game with Jalen Strong's catch. But that to me, and, and maybe this is just personal for me, that to me wasn't the type of win that convinces your athletic director that you came up with the type of game plan to put you even with the USC Trojans in the race for the Pac-12 South. I think it's pretty easy to look at a win like that and say, well, you got lucky that time, you played with fire, and you got away with it. And there was a lot of that in the Todd Graham era. There was a lot of that in this game. Nikhil Harry's catch that set up Nikhil Harry's touchdown, both of those plays probably could not have been made by anyone other than Nikhil Harry. And having a five-star receiver who can do something that nobody else can do, that's only good coaching insofar as you convinced him to come to your school. So I think what I'm really trying to get at here is there were gaps. There, there, there were gaps over the last few years in what Arizona State did offensively that cost them games and what they did defensively that cost them games. Uh, and I never really understood Todd Graham's tendency to blame a loss on a play 
that didn't go their way when they were already down a couple of touchdowns. And I never really understood the public-facing Todd Graham, and while I know players probably got ripped behind the scenes, of where Arizona State was credited by Todd Graham for wins, whether that be against Washington this year when C.J. Frenchlove was just in the right place at the right time to help them run the clock out, or with the Jail Mary, um, you know, where, where a win is a win. I, I never really understood that because he was so philosophically even-keeled to the point where I've even used the word stubborn about how this team went about its business um, and, and what the things he thought were important were uh, that, you know, he, he had also at one time said he didn't care if the game's 60-59 to 59 or, 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 you know, 10-7, to 7, a win's a win. You know, a win's a win, but apparently, you know, according to Todd Graham and the way that he talks after losses, a loss isn't a loss. And that was something that I, I really found fascinating. You know, at the same time, in that post-game press conference, you saw a lot of what endeared Todd Graham to the Arizona State faithful. There's no way he's getting along with Ray Anderson right now. No way. You know, he mentioned he wished he had more time to write this ship. That he hopes Arizona State goes undefeated next year. That they win a championship. That he wants that for his returning players, the ones he helped bring in. And in fact, I'll, I'll, I'm the one that asked him the question in the press conference, so I'll just go ahead and play what he had to say as far as what he wants for his graduating seniors, as well as what he would like to see for the players that are sticking around. What do you want for these seniors moving forward and for the personnel you help bring in that, that are staying behind and, and uh, playing next year? Yeah, I want them to, I'd love to see them win a championship in 18. I can tell you we've, we've laid a great uh, foundation with the culture that we have in place. Uh, that culture won't change very, very easily. Um, and I think uh, that Coach Edwards is a solid person and he'll build upon that. And, uh, um, uh, you know, um, I, I, I feel great about these guys. These guys that are leaving our program, um, they know what it takes to, to win in life. They understand what it is to be a giver and to have a servant's heart. These guys serve every day. Um, they have character. That's what that's that's what character is. So, um, you got some guys. I know a lot of these senior guys are going to be very successful at the next level. Uh, but whatever they do, I know they're going to be champions. And uh, you know, I know they're going to be uh, you know husbands that don't quit on their families. And their marriages. I know they're going to be great fathers and understand what they, 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 they understand that. They've always given me everything they have and I'm very grateful for that. So, um, man, I, 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 have, I have, the one thing I poured my heart and soul in this thing, I ain't got one regret. Not one regret. The uh, only regret I have, I wish we'd have, you know, had a little more time. Pretty easy to just say that's a classy answer from a classy guy. I mean, he ended his press conference with Go Devils. He thanked the administration, that's Ray Anderson included, for allowing him the opportunity to stick around a month and, and coach this team in a bowl game. Which, let's be honest, was mutually beneficial. I don't think that it would have been done or allowed by Ray Anderson if 
you know, he felt like Herm Edwards was ready to go ahead and jump in and get his feet wet straight away from ESPN. You know, it's pretty obvious that 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 Herm Edwards needs some time to to really warm into this role and what it's going to mean. I don't think that Ray Anderson was doing Todd Graham a favor. Because if Ray Anderson, you know, was in the mood to do Todd Graham a favor, um, Todd Graham would probably still be the coach of Arizona State. So I think that was kind of a mutually beneficial relationship. Uh, I think that it's possible that Ray Anderson even believed that that stability would ultimately lead to the possibility of being able to convince Phil Bennett and Billy Napier to stick around, uh, which they did not do, neither one of them. And that's something that we'll get into here in a little bit as well. You know, but Todd Graham, I mean, the it, you almost wonder, and, I, you know, I don't believe that there's any scenario in which Ray Anderson is rooting openly for the Arizona State Sun Devils to fail. Uh, you know, even though he had open disdain for this bowl game, um, for the Pac-12 South in general, and has sort of been proven right through the results uh, that, that have been coming in. Um, I, you know, I don't think he's actively rooting against Arizona State, but you can make the argument that it, if Arizona State was to have, you know, gone out there and and just, you know, put a beat down on North Carolina State, that that would have that would have made things a lot more complicated, especially with fans being emotional after the firing, after the the Territorial Cup win. You know, it it can't be ignored that this team had discipline problems, that this team had academic problems, that there were players on the team that had brushes with the law, uh, that the team was in desperate need of uh, fundraising help um, and, uh, and just to have a better, more energetic face on, on Arizona State football. And that Todd Graham plugged a lot of those holes and then he's done a, a lot for Arizona State as a program. You know, it's really impossible to deny that. Now, there are some people who wins and losses is really the only thing that matter. And they're not necessarily going to see any of those things as as being beneficial. As somebody who covers recruiting, um, I can tell you that they absolutely are, that there's a better, more raised, more solid foundation um, on which Herm Edwards will be walking. And it will really be up to Herm Edwards and his staff to, to see if they can capitalize on on what was built over the last six years. We'll see what happens there. But the, the program is further along than it was. And there's a lot of credit that should go to Todd Graham for that. Now, they're not winning he hasn't necessarily met the expectations that he helped set, especially prior to the 2015 season when he was walking around and saying that, you know, this was the goal was to be 15 and 0, win every rep, win every day, break every rock, win a national championship. You had guys like Kirk Herbstreet saying that he believed Arizona State would be in the college football playoff. 
Arizona State almost was in the college football player playoff in 2014 before they blew it against Oregon State and then ultimately lost the Territorial Cup. So, you know, he, he, he over-promised, he under-delivered. And two things can be true at once. You can say that uh, the program deserves a new face and that he did a lot for the program. You can live in that tension where two things are true. A coaching relationship can be mutually beneficial even if it doesn't work out right. And I feel like that's really the situation that Arizona State's in. So it was beneficial for Ray Anderson to have Todd Graham coach in that bowl. But as Todd Graham said after the game, is one of the harder things he's ever really had to do. It was hard for him to focus. And while Demario Richard and, and, and Manny Wilkins took great exception to being asked the question of whether they were able to focus in the face of the adversity that, that was going on, you know, Todd Graham sort of shielded them, uh, even, even though they were they were incensed at the idea that anybody would question their ability to prepare. Um, and Todd Graham said, you know, no, this this absolutely would have an effect on a student athlete. And like I talked about in the video recap with Hoderbino on DevilsDigest.com after the game, these kids are human. Even if nine of your best players don't care who their coach is, even if they go hard every single day and they do it for themselves, you're going to have a couple of players who are only human, who don't know who their next coach is going to be, don't know whether or not sitting out the bowl game would be good for their draft grade, as Christian Sam ultimately made the decision to sit out. Kalen Balaj and JoJo Wicker played, and guess what? Probably if someone's looking at this bowl film, maybe hurt their stock. You know, you've got guys that are graduated and having to weigh opportunities. Blake Barnett, Manny Wilkins, and Brady White all have their degree. They can all go somewhere and play elsewhere. Because only one's going to probably play here. And for right now, you still have Dylan Sterling, Cole, and Ryan Kelly. But maybe they see the three quarterbacks ahead of them that are all coming back next year potentially. And they decide to move on. You never know. So, and, and then you're gone from your families for the Christmas holiday. You're out of school. You're not necessarily training the way you did. You know, your, your, entire, your training staff, you know, is let go. You're bringing in somebody else in. Maybe you have some guys that don't work out as hard. Maybe they overeat a little bit. Maybe they have a little bit, you know, they imbibe a little bit too much. All of a sudden you have guys who fall out of shape guys who are worried about the NFL draft, guys who are worried about who their next coach is going to be, guys who are either emotionally attached to the outgoing staff or are really happy to see them go and don't want to play another snap for them. And all you need is a couple to throw everything out of whack. The entire unit is not going to be on the same page. It just doesn't happen. You get a room with five people in it, you're going to get five different opinions on five different subjects. Just because this is football and the options are prepare well and play hard or don't doesn't mean that you're going to have all 100 guys on the roster on the same page about that. So all 
all it takes is a guy who maybe, you know, wasn't getting the sleep, wasn't preparing his body well to miss a couple of blocks for a big play to happen uh, and and for, for ultimately the people to suffer, you know, uh, could be guys that, that prepared really well. I saw Manny Wilkins taking a lot of heat on social media for his performance in this bowl game. You know, behind the scenes while standing on the sideline during the game, I saw him really trying to rally his offensive line, staying in people's ear, wanting them to do well. Nobody was more emotional after the game. Maybe, you know, Chase Lucas, who was fighting back tears, but Manny Wilkins was furious with not helping send the seniors on the team out with a Sun Bowl victory. What more do you want than emotion from the guys who are student athletes and they they don't have to put their heart into winning or losing. All they have to do is exchange their services for room and board and an education. They're not required to buy into coaching, to play harder than normal, to play through injuries. There's none of that. You might be encouraged to do it. But a guy who doesn't care isn't crying after the game. A guy who doesn't care when he thinks that there's a turnover and you're down two scores with less than two minutes left, you know, doesn't hide the fact that he can barely get out of his chair to hobble back to the huddle to try to give Arizona State another chance. You have guys on this team like Manny Wilkins, Chase Lucas, guys that were playing their absolute hardest. Malik Lawal. And then you have guys that might not have been. And I'm not going to name any names or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, not everyone is on the same page. Not everybody liked Todd Graham. Not everybody even really had the chance to get to know Todd Graham. You know, a lot of the freshmen and redshirt freshmen kind of distant from the head coach. You're only really involved with the head coach when you're one of the guys. So some people might not have really cared. There were, I'm going to be honest, there were players that played every down that didn't see eye to eye with the guy at all. And there were accusations that last year during the Territorial Cup he had players quit on him. I can't say one way or the other if that was true. I know the people that believe it believe it strongly. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. But it's it's tough to stay up for a bowl game with all of those factors. And and you might be listening to this saying, I don't want to hear any of that. Just go out and do your job. 95% of them can do that, and everything's affected by the 5% who might not. North Carolina State was the better, more prepared team. And the, uh, the problem for Todd Graham and his staff is there were too many better and more prepared teams. Whether that's an issue of recruiting, whether that's an issue of coaching, staff turnover, we might not necessarily get the answer to that question. I feel like they have the talent. I feel like some of these games are winnable. The thing that stands out the most to me about the Todd Graham era is, you know, prior to the 2016 season, 
I think it was Sports Illustrated, where you had one anonymous Pac-12 coach say, it took us a minute to figure it out, but now that we know what they do, it's open season. It took Phil Bennett coming in and changing things, playing a little bit more safe, blitzing less, for Arizona State to even turn in a couple of solid defensive performances. And look what happens anyway. A North Carolina State team that struggled not to score all year long and just really thrived on protecting the football and putting together a few sustained drives here and there. They dropped 52 on Arizona State. 52, that's unacceptable. But you have to take a long-term view of what anybody's legacy is. And so so that it's not all me bashing on Todd Graham for some of the habitual things that I feel like reappeared as bugaboos in this North Carolina state loss. You know, let's, let's hear the other side of the coin. Somebody who's been away from the program for a year credits Todd Graham for a lot of his success and growth uh, as a person. So at, at the game on the sideline, I was able to talk to a former Arizona State safety out of Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas, Nevada, older brother of current cornerback on Arizona State, Alex Perry. Uh, I was able to talk to Armand Perry. Let's hear from him. So I'm out here with Armand Perry in El Paso at the Sun Bowl. We're on the same plane this morning, <laughs> coming from Las Vegas. I mean, you you watched a lot of guys put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in, into uh, um, this team under Todd Graham moving on. Uh, you know a lot of guys out here, and, and you know they come up short today. Uh, what do you think that means to them, and what do they need to do to regroup? Um, it definitely hurts, you know, and like you said, these were a lot of guys who I came in with as a freshman, so uh, I had to make it, so I came back and saw them go out, but um, it wasn't good to see, and uh, I definitely think uh, they'll take that with them next year and use that as some motivation for those guys next year, but for the seniors, you know, it sucks because they want to go out with the bang, but uh, I'm pretty sure... They'll look past it, and every one of them will move on and continue on with their lives. What do you see the differences from the time that you came in to now when you come back and you check in with the guys? Uh, what, what do you see the, the, the foundation is uh, moving on into the Herm Edwards era? I mean, everybody's taking care of business in the classroom. So um, all of my fellow ex-teammates, they're all picking it up in the classroom, getting their GPAs up. And uh, they're also noticing that there's life after football. So um, just starting to plan careers as they're playing and not losing sight of that football can end tomorrow. Um, and also just the recruiting, you know, trying to bring guys here that Arizona State is a place where people can call home. And um, we're trying to get the tradition rich back here. And I believe Herm Edwards is, is bringing in that that fire that we need and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does here. Speaking of life after football you had injury after injury after injury and it got you thinking about your future. Uh, what are you up to now and what would you like to see your fellow ex-teammates start to think about as far as their future? Like what, what do they need to realize about the world after football that you've learned in the past few months? Yeah so right now I'm doing real estate development out in Newport Beach. Um, I run kind of my own uh, construction company out there and doing two spec homes out there on the island. But um, I just think my teammates should take me for an example. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a guy who showed up every day and put his life into this game and to, to go through injuries and 
to be at the crossroads of your life at the age of 21 and having to make a decision, do I want to continue on with football or do I continue on with life after football? And having to make a decision like that was, was very tough for me, but I'm a person who believes in um, actions speak louder than words, and I believe my actions should speak louder for, for my words. When I covered football in uh, Arizona high school football and extended out into Henderson and Las Vegas and everything like that, one thing that I hear from a lot of high school players is they looked up to you, even if they weren't at the same school, um, whether you know it, it was guys at, at Basic or or you know, any other um, any other high school out there, Alpine. You know, they said that you were an example for them to get out of Nevada and go go do something big. Um, do you have plans to continue that type of mentorship relationship with young football players and keep pouring yourself into that? Yeah, um, and I'm slowly working my way back into that. You know, what I'm saying it, it was it was a tough year for me without the game of football is my first year without football it's got to be hard I mean it's not like it's not like you don't have that itch exactly. you were standing out here on that sideline today you watch the defense give up over 50 and what are you thinking I mean I'm thinking I got one more hit in me <laughs> right. but no I mean it's tough I, that first year of football you know you want to be around it but for me I felt like being around it right away would have messed up my head a little bit so I just needed a little break from it but a lot of those younger guys they really look up to me because I help set the foundation you know work hard take care of your business in the classrooms and just lead by example you know what I'm saying um people out here they'll try to get you off the right path and and that's what I'm here for you know what I'm saying to to keep people on the right path because I've seen both sides of life you know what I'm saying I've yeah. seen I've been around the most successful people in the world from being in, in Las Vegas then I've also been around not as fortunate people from football, and I've seen how those mesh, and, I, and I'm a fortunate person myself, and I, I see those things in these young kids, and I just like to help. That's, that's just yeah. in me. What do you expect of your brother just this, this winter, this spring? Uh, where would you like to see his head go in preparation for battle next year? Um, just get a little more maturity and dealing with adversity. Because um, what I've noticed, even since I've been done with playing football, I've already dealt with some adversity in life. And it's how you maneuver those and it's how you transition those to make it work for you, if you kind of get what I'm yeah. saying. And you, just, feel it, you feel like you're starting to understand some of the stuff Todd Graham was trying to, no, exactly. trying to and, lay down for people about and, adversity. And, and before this interview, I just want to thank Todd Graham for um, instilling a very great foundation in me. Um, hard work, smart, disciplined, tough, and th those are the things that I'm carrying on with me to my new company, and it's, it's working. So um, I appreciate Todd Graham, you know, for believing in a 17-year-old Las Vegas kid um, making a difference in my life because if I never would have came here, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing outside of football. I wouldn't be able to touch kids in football, and I, I just want to thank Todd Graham for real. I appreciate your time. Yeah. There you have it. Armand Perry believes that he's a better, more successful, more prepared man for what he's gone on to do because of Todd Graham. You know, there are fans of the colors, maroon and gold. And there are fans of the people who come through and wear the colors, the maroon and gold. Some people just want to win. Some people want to be represented well. 
And for some, that Venn diagram overlaps a little bit. And for others, it's a circle. And if you're one of those people who, you know, that, that Venn diagram is a circle, there's not going to be any satisfaction in this. You want to win, but you want your players that wear that uniform to represent you well. You're going to have to live in that tension. This program was really good at one thing and not as good as it needs to be in, in another area. you're going to have to live in the tension of knowing that there are complicated legacies for some of the outgoing seniors as well. I know for a fact that everybody who listens to this podcast, you know, there might be a a few of you who respected Christian Sam's decision to sit out, watch his teammates try to get a Sun Bowl victory without him. Probably a large majority of you don't understand that decision, would not have made it yourself. And it might ultimately affect your view of Christian Sam as an Arizona State Sun Devil in perpetuity for the rest of your time as an Arizona State Sun Devil fan. That might exist as a, as a pockmark on, on how you feel about Christian Sam. Now, if you're an Arizona State fan and you have been for any length of time, you know that most of the successful players at the professional level um, are are players that left Arizona State early. You know, whether it's Sean McDonald or Brock Osweiler or Terrell Suggs, you know, it, it, there is an abundant uh, amount. Lawrence Guy, um, you know, Jalen Strong. Uh, if you're good enough, you go. But the skipping of the bowl game is probably a little bit new. Um, you know, personally, I feel like it's a personal decision, and I don't, I don't begrudge anybody for, you know, watching coaches walk away and make business decisions for themselves. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to begrudge a kid for looking at his future and trying to make a business decision uh, for himself. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I don't understand the perspective. Um, I might not understand the animosity uh, of, of some people when it comes to players uh, making a decision like that, but I understand some of the logic and feeling behind not wanting that to be um, a distraction and, and wanting to believe that all of the players that you root for are out there for each other. Um, and that there's that purity to the game of football, um, you know, where, where it's really a team game and it's not about the individual. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's not necessarily the reality. Um, but football really creates this very realistic, tangible, almost mirage of, of that kind of um, camaraderie and team environment. And it's such a realistic illusion um, that you just you want to buy into it. And there's no harm in buying into it. I mean, it, it gets harmful when your disdain turns into, you know, ripping a guy on, on, on Twitter and not being able to just hold your emotions in and sort of sit with it and deal with it yourself. You know, to where you have to call a guy out and say something about him and who he is as a person just because you're unable to really control and deal with your own emotions. Um, you know, that's an issue. 
but at the same time, it's very human to feel like, oh, that guy should have been out there. There was a drop-off. The defense was missing him. How can he sit there and know that he's one of the reasons that his team wasn't able to compete and not have their faith in him and each other shaken? And and for you, Christian Sam, to, to not regret this, um, you know, moving on, that you didn't go out there for that bowl game. The only thing I hope for players that set out bowl games is that they're talking to other players who set out bowl games to say, you know, what, what is the psychological downside to this? What am I going to regret? Um, you know, what, what did you miss? Um, if those conversations aren't taking place, then I think that the decisions that any player is making uh, aren't as informed as they possibly could be. You know, because to hear from somebody like, hey, yeah, I made that decision and I absolutely have regretted it every day since then, you know, that could really play a part in in ultimately the decision that you make whether or not to play. But if you talk to somebody and say like, hey, I, you know, I did play and I got hurt and I dropped three rounds and it cost, you know, it cost me a million dollars in guaranteed money. Um, you know, you you look at a guy like Christian Zane who already missed an entire season to a high ankle injury and in what was a freak accident against Cal Poly in 2016. Then it makes sense that, that a guy like that would say, you know, maybe I'm already a borderline fourth or fifth rounder, and if I play in this game and I get hurt and I know that I'm leaving, I might go completely undrafted where there are no... You know, there's no guarantees in the NFL at all anyway, but there's really no guarantee that, you know, you'll be able to prove yourself over some guy that uh, an NFL GM decided to, to go ahead and draft. So there's one guy right there who, you know, whose Sun Bowl experience um, ultimately plays into um, a, a legacy that will be complicated. You know, and another one is is going to be obviously Kalen Balage, who Arizona fought, Arizona State fought tooth and nail to bring in. You know, out of Colorado, you know, there's a snowstorm. His letter of intent didn't come in, and yeah, right away, everybody was nervous about it. Everybody wanted him to be part of the team. He showed what he was able to do in the backfield as well as on kick return as a as a freshman. He had some absolute stunning highlights and breakout games in 2015 and 2016. And, you know, he's a guy that considered leaving early for the NFL draft, didn't necessarily get a great evaluation and decided to come back. And not only does his senior season end with a whimper, but his final game in the Sun Bowl, he had four carries. Your senior back, your face of the team, the guy that you took to Pac-12 Media Day and that was getting Heisman buzz, legitimate Heisman buzz, gets four carries in a bowl game that probably would have been better for him to just sit out, to be honest. Kalen Balaja, somebody you're going to look back on and say what could have been much in the same way that you'll look at Todd Graham and say what could have been my advice is to is to you know recollect some of the the better times I guess for for lack of a 
a, a better phrase, you know, some of the, you know, running a guy over against Oregon, scoring seven touchdowns against uh, Texas Tech, you know, the, the hurdles, the great interviews that he gave, um, you know, out, out really outside of his senior year of just being a great face for Arizona State football, uh, the way that he was able to, to come back from mono um, in 2015, uh, his kick return uh, as a freshman against Duke in that bowl game. You know, you'll 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 remember some of those things, and and uh, and it's going to be hard not to say, you know, ah, oh, what else could he, he have done? You know, with him and Demario Richards splitting carries over the last four years, had over 6,300 yards of total offense. When you're just looking at the stats on paper, that's incredible. But when you watched Kalen Balazs, you know he could have done more. With Demario Richard, you'll see his junior season, and uh, Brad Denny did such an incredible job of chronicling the troubles that that Demario Richard went through, uh, you know, physically and emotionally, um, and mentally to try to get back as a senior only to have the offensive line struggle early on and then him take over a bulk of what the offense was about um, and then come into the Sun Bowl and get 13 carries for 50 yards and then in the post-game press conference, you know, have to have to kind of lie and say, you know, the game's over and I've already moved on. Um much in the way that he had mentally moved on from every other loss that Arizona State experienced. But it was obvious that this is a guy who's upset and who recognized the fact that this was his last, this was his last go. So he sort of had that canned response ready of, you know, it's on to next week. Well, there is no next week. Everything that Demario Richard did for the love of his teammates and for the maroon and gold, none of that matters now. It's all professional. It's all a business now. You know, he, he's leaving Arizona State in, in better hands than, than, you know, when he when he came in, but there's obviously a lot of disappointment there in what he wanted this program to be, in what he wanted to be for this program. He had a great career at Arizona State. He'll be remembered as one of the all-time greats. He's one of the few players in this team that's been openly concerned with what his legacy will be. But his his legacy will be um, three years, you know, finishing three years of no of no bowl wins. And I think that those type of things probably eat at him more than the joy of having the statistics um, or anything of that nature. And 13 carries is something he pointed out, you know, that, that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for three feature backs to, to have 30 carries between them a couple of those being you know runs by Manny Wilkins 
I think you'll 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 remember you'll ultimately remember Demario Richard as somebody who was unsatisfied. And it's not bad to be unsatisfied. Not at all. It's important to stay hungry. But his Arizona State career is over. Arizona State went 18 and 19 in his final three years. You know, he played great in his only bowl win against Duke. But since then, Arizona State didn't necessarily accomplish what he had set out to personally accomplish. And he ends on a note of being frustrated. You have other guys that could absolutely leave this team um, who, who might or probably will. In Sam Jones, you know, you're never really going to get to see um, what, a, what he can do as the anchor of an upperclassman offensive line. You know, you have, you have JoJo Wicker. Uh, you have JoJo Wicker, who had a great freshman year and was named to two all Pac-12 teams as sophomore and a junior, um, but arguably, you know, never really made that major step forward. You know, and, and he might move on and might have great success in the NFL. We'll, we'll ultimately see as he's sort of a in-between position guy on the defensive line. But, you know, that's, that's somebody who you'll look at and say, you know, you, you expected more from and how much, you know, can you really blame on, on the scheme or him never really having a settled role as far as what he was doing. Um, You know, that, that's going to be complicated as well. So you have a lot of guys making decisions on whether they're going to stay or go. You know, you have a guy like DJ Calhoun who has celebrated his entire senior year for, you know, not really missing any tackles. It just really serves as a reminder for all the tackles that were missed by Arizona State's defense over the last few years. Your flaws become really evident and easy to pick on when people are trying to find a reason for why you're losing, especially if the reason isn't outright that another team is better than you. Arizona State has a lot of bad losses over the last three years, and it's caused people to sort of nitpick on certain players, on you know, on what they weren't able to do in order to help the team be more successful. This is a team that should have beat UCLA this year, should have beat San Diego State this year. This is a team that uh, had an opportunity to win this bowl game and didn't. This is a team that should have beat Oregon two years ago, should have beat Cal two years ago. This is a team last year should have been able to finish off the University of Arizona in the Territorial Cup. Shouldn't have to convince a team to play hard against the University of Arizona. And in that grasping for straws and looking for what might be wrong, you have everybody and anybody doing what they can to try to fix a situation uh, 
you know, on things that don't necessarily have anything to do with football. One of the biggest grievances last year is too many color changes and too much getting away from what was traditional. That doesn't affect the product on the field. The phrase, if we're going to lose, I want to lose in my colors, you know, that might be better for your own personal comfort, but I'd assume you probably just don't want to lose, and it wouldn't be an issue if you weren't losing. Arizona State has had a lot of issues over the last three years, and, you know, let's talk a little bit about what Herm Edwards is going to have to do to address some of these The first thing that Herm Edwards is going to need to do, he's going to need to evaluate the roster that he has right now. He's going to have to figure out what is best for this team as far as the positions that the players play. You know, they've already had Billy Napier right before he, he left move Tyler Johnson to offense to test him out at tight end. Had Herm Edwards come right back in and move him right back to defense a week later. So, you know, you already have Herm Edwards making personnel decisions, but he's going to need to get to know this team, develop some relationships, and see if he can convince some guys that might not necessarily be sold on the idea of playing for him, of playing for all new coaches. He's going to have to convince some people to stick around. This isn't a team that's deep enough to be able to have mass transfers even at the second level of the of the depth chart even if your starters don't all go he might be set up to see quite a few defections to the NFL and and most likely see a couple of quarterback transfers but if you start seeing receivers leave if you start seeing linebackers or defensive linemen leave if even one defensive back decides Arizona State's not for them, Arizona State's in trouble. So Herm Edwards has to find a way to make this his team, even though the effort to surround the team with continuity so that Herm Edwards' effort wouldn't be so have to be so Herculean in the very beginning has completely fallen through. There is no more Billy Napier or Rob Sale or T.J. Rushing, Keith Patterson, Michael Slater, Phil Bennett, Josh Martin's probably not coming back. All those guys are going. You have to trust that Herm Edwards can make hires of people who are relevant to the Arizona State Uh, recruiting area base who can keep a clean nose, who can be professional, who can understand the rule book, who cannot get Arizona State mixed up with any NCAA violations or anything of that nature who are in it because they want to see Arizona State get better and compete and not necessarily to fulfill um, any ego or dream they might have about, you know, being able to, to, to be a college coach. You need to have the right guys in place. They're taking a big risk on, on Dave Christensen, who last, the last time he ran an offense, it was the number 12 offense in the Pac-12 with Utah. Now that was a 9-4 and four Utah team, but still, 
they were pretty dissatisfied with him when he left. You know, you, you, you're taking a big risk on Rob Likens as your offensive coordinator in a guy who was relieved of his play-calling duties after one year running Kansas's offense and was brought in to be your wide receiver's coach. There's some risk there. You're taking a risk and bringing in an Arizona Wildcat, Antonio Pierce, who is a high school coach and a, and a television personality. Will what he does translate to the college game, and will it be worthwhile in recruiting? It's a risk. It's absolutely a risk. Herm Edwards in and of himself is a risk. This is a guy whose last four years at the NFL level saw an offense and a defense rank in the you know, in, in the bottom quadrant of the NFL, offensively and defensively. Rush defense, pass defense was actually pretty good, but rush offense and pass offense was abysmal. He had a lot of injuries, but that injury excuse didn't work for Todd Graham when it came to Ray Anderson finding, you know, a reason to fire him. He didn't look at all the quarterback injuries that Arizona State went through in 2016 and say, let's give him another chance. So here you have Herm Edwards, whose NFL coaching record is very similar to what Todd Graham went through at Arizona State in his final three years for very similar reasons. He wore on people because he was kind of stubborn in press conferences. He had a lot of injuries. He had a lot of misfortune and things not necessarily go his way. It's it's amazing how similar Herm Edwards is um, in goals, in affect, in coaching history uh, to Todd Graham. It's probably one of the more interesting things about this hire that Ray Anderson made. It really makes it feel like Ray Anderson went to try to find $12 million under the couch cushion to replace Todd Graham with somebody who was very similar to Todd Graham, but that he could personally get along with. Time will tell whether that was a good decision or not. If it doesn't work out, you have all of your built-in excuses ready. Every national media member who said this was going to be a bad idea will be able to point back to the fact that they said this is going to be a bad idea. Now, generally, when there's a consensus, you can count on things not necessarily going according to that consensus. That's fairly common in sports. I don't think every national media member saying that Arizona State made the worst hire of the 2017 offseason is going to work out the way that they believe it will. I think you're actually going to see some positive returns. I think you're going to see him come in, energize some donors. I think you're going to see him come in, energize some players. I think you're going to see an expanded recruiting base from what Arizona State has been able to do the last couple of years. 
you know, it'll be interesting because for the last couple of years, the recruiting coordinator for Arizona State has been Donnie Yantis. And if you believe that recruiting has taken a hit, possibly some of the blame falls at his feet. But now this man, you know, who you you may or may not trust, according to the last two years worth of results in recruiting, is probably the most important person in the program for continuity's sake, for getting Herm Edwards up to speed with exactly who he's going to need to recruit and where. Maybe there were some handcuffs on Yantis. Maybe there weren't. This is a guy who was brought in because he built a program at Arizona Christian who, as far as his overall character and what he was about, really vibed with uh, Todd Graham and his character and what he's about. It's possible that, you know, the, the handcuffs are off and, and Donnie Yantis is going to do some incredible things for Arizona State. Um, or, or, it's, or it's possible that it's going to be a rough learning curve and he's got a lot more responsibility than some fans are, are comfortable with. We'll see. I'm excited to find out. But Herm Edwards has a lot on his – he's got a lot on his plate. Like I said, the first thing that he's going to need to do, he's going to win. He need to win over the players in this locker room, which shouldn't be tough. And 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 one of the reasons why is he's going to have uh, quite a few upperclassmen, juniors and seniors. And one thing that Todd Graham said, and that Herm Edwards probably agrees with, because they're not very different from each other. Uh, you could you could tell, especially from the way that. Herm Edwards talked about being excited for coaches to take promotions, even though Ray Anderson said he was bringing in somebody who would help coaches stick around. Um, but one of the things that you know Todd Graham said is, "You my my, my upperclassmen listen to me because they know I'm probably going to be the last coach they ever have." Well, Herm Edwards is inheriting a situation where he's going to be the last coach. Quite a few of these players that Arizona State have, they're going to have no choice but to buy in. And that's good for Herm Edwards. Where there's going to be a real challenge is underclassmen. The Langston Fredericks, the Alex Perrys, Curtis Hodges. Can you convince them that that Arizona State is the place for them to stick around, to build their legacy, and, and sell completely out on the idea of trying to win for you as their head coach. So to me, again, number one priority, and I know I sort of drug this out, but the number one priority is to win over the locker room or at least win over the players that you believe are going to be um, integral to your potential success at Arizona State. Then, you know, there's an opportunity out there to go grab a couple of recruits. Gunnar Romney at Chandler High. Absolutely dominated against Florida State champion Northwestern. Has sort of been keeping his recruiting open, even though he's a verbal commit to BYU. That right there is your first chance to go out and prove that you can get a recruit. That you are who Ray Anderson said you would be. That you were worth the money and worth making the change. I posted in the in the premium huddle on devilsdigest.com that Gunnar Romney can save this recruiting class. That doesn't mean that he can make it a, a better recruiting class or even put it within the top four of the Pac-12. I, I definitely don't think that that's going to happen. I think this is going to be 
a really rough class to redeem as far as overall rankings. But as far as this recruiting class having Herm Edwards' stamp on it, it's very possible that that doesn't happen at all. He's got two months to put his stamp on a recruiting class that already has a bunch of signees that he really had nothing to do with except for convincing the guys who were probably already going to sign to go ahead and sign. But it's time for him to go out and get somebody. You need immediate returns. Gunnar Romney, the wide receiver at Chandler High, is somebody who can probably redeem this recruiting class as far as it not necessarily having Herm Edwards' stamp on it at all so far. When Todd Graham came in, and it didn't really have that much to do with Todd Graham, but the fact that he was there means he gets the credit. When Todd Graham came in, they got DJ Foster. That meant everything to this program. It meant everything to Todd Graham. Because he knew that DJ Foster, that, that Todd Graham needed DJ Foster a lot more than DJ Foster needed Todd Graham. DJ Foster took a chance on Todd Graham in Arizona State. Herm Edwards needs something like that. Only it would help if it was a little bit more obvious that it wasn't a no-brainer decision because the kid was committing to the school, you want one of these high-profile commits to come out that Arizona State might not have ever even been in the running for before. You want them to come out and say, I'm committing to Herm Edwards and Arizona State because Herm Edwards is the most energetic, passionate, best X's and O's guy, best salesman that I've talked to. And one of the things that I've noticed from Arizona State fans is they're already sort of making excuses for Herm Edwards saying that Ray Anderson said four and five star recruits, but he didn't literally mean it. You just got to find the right fit. No, you want the best players out there. If you're going to compete for Pac-12 championships, I mean, if, if you just want to be shooting for seven or eight wins every year, then what was the point of firing Todd Graham in the first place? Just keep things the way that they are. Ray Anderson's made it pretty clear that he wants to turn ASU football into whatever it is that Bobby Hurley's been able to transform ASU basketball into. So this recruiting class needs Herm Edwards' stamp on it. So Herm Edwards needs to win this locker room over, and he needs to put his stamp on this recruiting class. All of that needs to be done by February. And then he's going to have to find a way to get the coaches to gel because Arizona State is going to have the same problem that they had in 2016 and 2017 in that they are breaking in a bunch of new coaches. Manny Wilkins will have his fourth offensive coordinator in four years, something that Ray Anderson said that he wanted to avoid. But it's going to happen anyway. So... Herm Edwards needs to establish what the identity of this team is going to be. If you make Nikhil Harry your crutch next year just because he's that dominant, well, guess what? He's going to be gone at the end of next year. You have to find an identity, that offensive identity, that really translates over time and speaks to the type of players that you're trying to recruit to come and be part of that identity. One of the things that Herm Edwards cited when he was talking about finding uh, an identity for Arizona State offensively and defensively is saying, like, I know what Stanford does. 
I know exactly who Stanford is and what they do. The Arizona State needs that as well. Now, what will that look like? They have a lot of talented running backs coming in. Maybe they become a, a, a type of a smash-mouth team. We'll see. But aside from winning over the locker room and putting his stamp on this recruiting class, Herm Edwards needs to help Arizona State establish an identity. That needs to be done by spring all while getting his assistant coaches on the same page and ingratiating himself into the culture of a college when college hasn't necessarily been his environment. While getting to know some of the local seven-on-seven coaches and private coaches and alumni and donors... It's going to be a tough gig. What Todd Graham, you know, and unfortunately, Herm Edwards is going to be compared to Todd Graham at every turn. But what Todd Graham came in and did was came in and made as many public appearances as he possibly could to ingratiate himself with the community. Is that something Herm Edwards is going to be up for? We'll see. Is somebody else going to share in those duties? We'll see. But all those things, even the off-the-field stuff, is all part of your identity that you that you need to establish. I spent the first part of this podcast talking about the stuff, good and bad, that Todd Graham continued to do that really fed into his identity and ultimate downfall. A lot of the things that you're going to appreciate him for later are the things that you're frustrated at, you know, about now. So Todd Graham, I mean, Herm Edwards needs to come in, win the team over, put his stamp on the recruiting class, get his assistants on the same page, establish an identity, get to know the community, get to know the tradition. And all of that needs to be done by spring. This team could have a lot of success under Herm Edwards next year with what they're bringing back. But it's not something that you can take for granted, and it's going to look really, really bad on Ray Anderson if this is a team that comes out and wins six or seven games next year when that's something they could have done under Todd Graham. Arizona State needs to win now. The best thing that can happen for Ray Anderson, besides Bobby Hurley continuing to win, because that <laughs> that that at least takes a little bit of the heat that he faced in, in, in making a big decision like this off of his back. But the best thing that can happen for Ray Anderson is for Herm Edwards to win right away. It's really the only way to make this work for an already dissatisfied fan base. The fan base is already dissatisfied with the pick, with the assistance, and with the results on the field. There's just not going to be a lot of patience or a grace period for Herm Edwards. And Ray Anderson has publicly tied Herm Edwards' success to his. So if Herm Edwards doesn't win right away, it's possible that that puts Ray Anderson in a position where he's 
looking for work elsewhere. Not that he won't be able to find it because he's obviously very well connected and 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 uh, has an impressive resume and has worked with a lot of really uh, well connected, influential people. He'll be fine. Just like Todd Graham is fine with his $12 million buy. These people are playing a game that is much higher than the level of most of the people that listen to this podcast. Definitely on a higher level than me. If I had Todd Graham's buyout, you would never hear from me again. But Ray Anderson really needs this. Because I don't think it can be overstated the risk that he is taking here. A lot of the assumption about what Ray Anderson was going to do in bringing in a new coach was that he would sort of stick to what, what A, what he's done at Arizona State in his time here, which was go for the splash as far as the, the, the big name who's had previous success, and sort of stick to um, what he fought for uh, when when he worked um, with the with the NFL. Not only when he was an agent, but you know when he worked in conjunction with the actual National Football League. As far as finding a way to make sure that there were opportunities for minority head coaching candidates. Now, I know that there are there are divergent feelings about. Uh, whether it's the Rooney rule or as far as the most qualified candidate getting the the job, yada, yada, yada. I'm not getting into the politics or any affirmative action commentary or anything like that. I'll tell you my opinion as, 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 a, as a person and how I feel about it. I'm not necessarily interested in offending your sensibilities uh, on the topic. If you want to, you know, send me a, a DM and you want to discuss it further, I'm not necessarily sure what that'll accomplish. Um, but, you know, since it's my my podcast, I figure I, I trust you guys enough to tell you how I feel about it and kind of leave it at that. Um, but I was excited at, at, at the prospect of candidates who might not necessarily have been looked at otherwise maybe getting a look under a search that was spearheaded by Ray Anderson, because I'm a firm believer that, you know, just, a, well, I don't know if it was like 10 years ago, that um, 95% of, uh, of FBS head coaches, more than 95% of FBS head coaches, um, were the, you know, members of the majority race. And while I don't necessarily think that that that, that uh, creates an overall narrative that you need to react to. I think what it does do is just show you that people go with what they know and what they're comfortable with. I don't think anybody would have a problem admitting that, that people go with what they know and what, what they're comfortable with. Football is filled with cronyism, nepotism, whatever it is, and a lot of it is ultimately because you're around a lot of people who are qualified. It's not a hard job. It would be like if we were all excited about plumbing and we all paid tickets to go watch people clean and fix drain pipes. Plumbing is plumbing. Some people are really good at it. Some people are above average at it. Ultimately, it's not rocket science and neither is coaching football. 
So it's not hard to find good qualified candidates, but just a lot of these jobs go to guys that you know. And for the longest time, it was kind of a, a little bit of a good old boy network because of that. So I get excited about people who buck the system, who think outside the box, who look for other people who might be qualified that wouldn't necessarily get a look because of the system that was in place. I love that idea. I, I, anytime that you were out exploring for who the best candidate might be, regardless of, you know, race, religion, political beliefs, any of that stuff, I, I just get excited about the search. You know, you see a show like American Idol where you get 100,000 people to audition for this show and you're able to whittle it down to somebody like Carrie Underwood. You know, what if the talent pool was four people and they were all your friends? Would you find a Carrie Underwood? I don't know. I always believe that the bigger pool that you're looking in, the better candidate that you can ultimately come up with. So I was personally, my... This has nothing to do with my personal politics or anything like that. I was excited at the idea of somebody like Ray Anderson who had championed the cause of, of looking for more qualified candidates from pools that had otherwise um, been excluded from some of those prior searches at the NFL level. I was very excited for uh, the, what, what that search might have looked like coaching searches are exciting anyway especially when you you know cover Arizona State for for a company like Rivals and at Devil's Digest you know we have this coaching hot boards and it's always just kind of an exciting time to to speculate on who they might be looking at who could be a good fit what their resume is uh, even with all the assistant coaches that they're looking at and Ray Anderson went and did the one thing that I thought somebody in his shoes would never do he did the thing that he rallied and fought against for his entire career. The first opportunity that he had to make a hire with his legacy on the line of giving people opportunities who might not have had it otherwise, he did the one thing that he spent his career rallying against. Hired his buddy. And for me personally, that was disappointing. There was no talent pool that he was looking at. When Arizona State lost to UCLA, there's a good chance he'd already had three or four conversations with his friend and former client about the possibility of what a couple of friends could accomplish at a place like Arizona State, a forward-thinking, innovative place with the blessing of Dr. Michael Crow. And there's some irony there. This is the thing that he fought against, you know? Too many people were hiring their friends. Not enough people were getting looks. So this is, this is, this is the bed that Arizona State has made. This has to succeed. Otherwise, the calls of nepotism and cronyism and, and all of the national writers who said that this was bumbled and that it didn't make sense and that Herm Edwards doesn't have a, a good head coaching record anyway and that he won't be able to find the right personnel, uh, you know, all of those things 
will just get louder and louder and louder and louder. And again, my personal belief is that any time that everybody's on the same page, the truth is probably somewhere on the next page over. And Herm Edwards has an opportunity to be very successful at Arizona State next year. He just doesn't have the grace period to not be. Part of that is the standard that Todd Graham helped create but didn't meet. You can't be, at at the very least, you can't be below average. And Arizona State's got a really good Michigan State team coming in. And they've got a reloading, angry Pac-12 South to deal with. That, you know, every single one of them is going to be able to put up on a bulletin board that Ray Anderson thinks they suck too. The situation that was created for Herm Edwards is one where You know, it's definitely going to be a a, a trial by fire. And their best chance to be successful is probably next year. Unless you are counting on Herm Edwards to be able to bring in the type of recruits that UCLA and USC does, uh, only turn around and use them better than UCLA has under under their time with with Jim Mora and and ultimately challenge USC for the Pac-12 South. If you don't think that Arizona State's capable of doing those things, then there's really no point to making this move in the first place. Ray Anderson believes that they are capable of doing those things. He believes that Herm Edwards will be the guy to get it done. So this is the situation that we're in. The Todd Graham era comes to a close. We're all stuck living in the tension of uh, a potential not met uh, and at the same time of a, of a, of a great foundation um, for the next guy to stand on. And a lot of the players in the Todd Graham era, the, the players that Todd Graham recruited, uh, really faced the same thing. While others had the opportunity to either continue or, or put a stamp on their legacy or build their legacy under Herm Edwards. But the team can't take a step backward. It absolutely can not. It's not an option. It, would be, it is hard for me to even think of what the environment surrounding Arizona State football would be with a Herm Edwards coach team that goes 4-8 next year. I can't even fathom or imagine it. I'd have to imagine it would It'd be a pretty it'd be a pretty toxic environment to be um, writing about, commentating in, uh, and 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 really feel for fans if that ends up being the case. I don't necessarily think it will be. I don't think the team takes a step back. It's just a matter of whether or not they can sustain success that will come from a uh, an upperclassman heavy team next year, assuming that they don't run into a bunch of injury issues like 2016. So as we close the book on the Todd Graham era, on speaking victory, on uh, character smart, tough, discipline, and we bring in Herm Edwards, who is going to be about character smart, tough, discipline, and speaking victory, um, but... Ultimately, Ray Anderson hopes will be a better 
uh, ambassador and salesman for this program. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. My, my final thoughts on, on, on Todd Graham and, and what he brought to the table and, and, uh, and how I believe history will look upon uh, Todd Graham's contributions to Arizona State. Um, I don't think Todd Graham is going anywhere. And uh, they say that a relationship that doesn't end well never really ends at all. Uh, and I, I believe that to be true in that there are people who to this day are still frustrated um, with Dirk Cutter and who are still frustrated with Dennis Erickson and all of the bad feelings that they've had um, uh, from both of those eras and all of the flaws that those coaches displayed continue to come up in conversations about the eras under those coaches. So I believe that phrase to be true to, to a certain extent. A relationship that doesn't end well never really ends. But I think that a relationship that ends well, I don't necessarily think that, that it, end, it ends either. If Herm Edwards isn't successful at Arizona State, you have people who whose allegiance to Todd Graham, whether through his actions, donations, character, the way that he treated certain fans um, in private, that there's always going to be a connection there. People will, even on Twitter today, I've seen, you know, calling him my coach. Um, you know, this was a relationship that was supposed to have ended well. Ray Anderson gave Todd Graham the opportunity to coach in a bowl game. It didn't go Arizona State's way, you know, but he ends that, he ends that press conference saying, go Devils that he's rooting for him next year, that he wants him to win a national championship. And um, at the end of the day, this is a situation where Todd Graham has left the door open and essentially created, that there's a path there in which I could see Todd Graham being part of Arizona State's administration in some capacity at some level at some point in time. Not to say it'll be like a Phil Fulmer Tennessee relationship, um, but you know Frank Beamer was honored today at the Sun Bowl, and you know he's still uh, a consultant with Virginia Tech, uh, even even though you know they're under new leadership now. And I, I think that because he's left with that goodwill, um, that bridge is that bridge is there, and that bridge will be there beyond the time that Ray Anderson is. Uh, part of the Arizona State community, um, and the, and and it remains to be seen whether or not that'll be a good thing, because the truth is there are going to be some people that because this was a good ending and a clean break, and they might be done for now. You know, if Herm Edwards doesn't work out, I can guarantee you right here now, there's going to be calls for Todd Graham. Because people don't like change. And they like the things that make them feel warm and fuzzy. And I guarantee you that three or four years from now, people are going to look back on the Todd Graham era and they're going to say a lot of the same positive things that they're saying right now. So while I don't wish that it almost would have went poorly and, and, and there would have been you know, more of a reason for Arizona State fans to have animosity toward Todd Graham so that they could, while that relationship would, would never end, uh, and would be essentially based on ill feelings and animosity, it's easier to sell the idea of moving on in that scenario.
And the only way that Arizona State moves on from Todd Graham is if Herm Edwards and Ray Anderson is, are, are successful. And like I said, the first thing he needs to do is win this team over, and we'll see if he can do it. This has been the Devil's Junkie Podcast, road back from El Paso, a review of the Sun Bowl, and a little bit on the future. And we'll see what it has in store. Uh, for now, we will turn our attention to basketball, the 12-0 Arizona State Sun Devils facing off against the Wildcats, and we'll see what they can do in Pac-12 play. The next time that, uh, that, that we speak, we'll be talking basketball. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep, uh, keep, keep everything at devilsdigest.com. Make sure you join up, subscribe, check out the forums, talk, uh, uh, talk some of this stuff out with us. I'm always in there. Hoderbina's always in there. Uh, we do our best to foster a, a, a friendly, open, and, and, and vibrant community of, of Arizona State Sun Devil fans. So really appreciate you listening to the podcast, and uh, we'll catch you later. I was living in a devil town Didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down About the devil town